Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Real people. Real crimes. Real life drama. When you first started on this case... Would you have ever imagined it would end up to where it is right now? No. When I got into work that day, we were getting word that this um, 46-year-old doctor was dead. This beloved woman in our community had been brutally killed inside her own house. And then once you started to unwrap it a little bit, it was nutty, it was weird, and it was hard to keep track of it all. So this is Dr. Teresa Sievers, high-profile doctor, did a lot of holistic medicine, and people, uh, you know, said that she was just a little spitfire, just a short little thing, and always wearing, you know, four-inch heels, clack clacking around. I would describe her as radiant, almost. She had a column that appeared in my newspaper, and she was on the front of local magazines. Ladies. Remember when walking into a room meant turning heads? She was telegenic, energetic, she's funny. And who's this? Teresa and Mark at a gala. Mark and Teresa have been a couple since 2003 uh, when they got married in a beachside ceremony in St. Petersburg. She was sort of the breadwinner and he was the office manager uh, at her practice and he helped raise the kids. They had a trip planned to New York to spend the whole weekend with her brothers and sisters and her mom, and Teresa would fly home that Sunday night to be at work Monday morning to open up her practice. So on Sunday night, she comes back here to the Southwest Florida International Airport. There's security footage of her rolling her suitcase through the, the terminal. She calls Mark, tells him she's safe, and then gets in her car and heads back to their house. The next morning, uh, her office staff got in, 
it's now nine o'clock. Now it's 9.05. Now it's 9.15. I said, where's doctor? I was texting back and forth trying to see if, you know, where you at, and no response called, no answer. Mark's out of town. He says, I can't get a hold of her either. How unusual was it for Dr. Sievers not to show up? Even if it was 9 o'clock and 3 seconds after, you would hear her heels coming in. 911, what is your emergency? Uh, I'm at, I'm at a friend's house. Mark had a friend come and check up on her. Uh, he's out of town, and she's dead on the floor. And there's a hammer at the side, and she's bashed in the back of the head. And do you know how many times she was hit? 17. I came home from work, and I looked up at the television, and my heart dropped, and I thought, this is my son's house and his wife, and their two children, who is dead. When you first heard how Teresa died, what did you think? Must be some madman out there. Who was this? Where did they come from? Why would they do such a thing? I'm Erin Moriarty. Tonight on 48 Hours. 1,100 miles to murder. This episode is brought to you in part by June's Journey. Picture it, the glamour of the roaring 20s wrapped in a mystery that only you can solve. Dive into June Parker's captivating quest to uncover scandalous family secrets. With your keen eye for detail, find hidden clues and solve mind-boggling puzzles. It's all about observation, intrigue, and drama. But beware. Each clue leads deeper into a thrilling storyline filled with danger and romance. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Your adventure awaits. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Anytime there is a beautiful, successful woman who is murdered, that's sort of what society pays attention to, for better or for worse. The shocking murder of Dr. Teresa Sievers in Bonita Springs, Florida, was a huge story, especially for Jessica Lipscomb, who covered crime for the Naples Daily News. This mother of two who was killed brutally inside her home was horrifying to people. The doctor had cut short a family vacation in upstate New York and had flown home alone on Sunday night, June 28, 2015, so she could see patients the next morning. You kind of put yourself in her shoes, rolling your suitcase through the door, and then to be attacked by someone from behind is... It's hard to imagine. 
Investigators believe that as soon as Dr. Sievers walked into her kitchen, she was killed, struck repeatedly with a hammer. I remain astonished by why it had to be done with such savagery. Amy Bennett Williams wrote about the Seavers murder for the news press. It's passionate, it's premeditated, it's, it's, it's cold. And angry. Very angry. It was just so unbelievable. When Connie Reese heard the tragic news, she contacted her stepbrother, Mark Seavers, the doctor's husband. How did he react to the death of his wife? He couldn't speak. He's not the kind of guy that's been overly emotional on the outside, but he couldn't speak. Connie and Mark became family when her mother married his father. I asked him what happened to Teresa. And what did he say? No idea. Mark met his future wife in 2003 when he was visiting St. Petersburg, Florida. Pretty much love at first sight. Well, I think by the time that he introduced her to mom, uh, I think he was pretty much done. He was off the market officially. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> he was working as a nurse while she was a recently divorced physician. Teresa hung the moon. She was a remarkable human being and very special, and that's the way Mark treated it from the beginning. You could just, you could hear it in his voice. They were married on the beach, surrounded by friends and family, including stepmother Jenny Weckelman. It was a sunset wedding, and she had a beautiful gown. It was very nice. Was he happy on that day? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he was very happy. Six months later, their daughter, Josephine, was born. The Seavers built a large house in Bonita Springs and in 2007 welcomed another daughter, Carmela. How did Mark feel about being a dad? It was everything to him. They were his reason for, for, for being, but he was also all about Teresa and her mission. We talk about our physical health, mental health. That mission was to open a holistic practice where she could heal patients by blending traditional and alternative medicine. She also spread her message in speeches really and videos. There's our spiritual and energetic health. We would have patients from all over the world. They would come to us after they failed everything else. Sandra Hoskins was Teresa Seaver's longtime medical assistant. She wouldn't take no for an answer. Talking about the doctor still makes Sandra emotional. And as a patient, she wouldn't allow you to say, I'm never going to get better. While patients love the doctor, Sandra and her husband, Frank Pays, who also worked at the practice, admit it wasn't always easy working for Seavers. She had a short fuse. I would hear doctors screaming and yelling in the in back office. Dr. Seavers would yell at the patients? She was there to help you get better. Didn't have what they call the bedside manner. Would she yell at you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, a wrist is a problem. The bigger she problem. She expected perfection. And if it wasn't perfect, she would get upset. I need to maintain my mental sharpness. She was a, a big presence, and sometimes that meant that she got really feisty with people. 
She was the, the biggest figure in the room. While Teresa took care of her patients, Mark took care of their daughters. The girls were his pride and joy. And managed his wife's office. I've also heard it described that he allowed her to have her life. He made her life happen. Very much so, yes, he, because he was the support system and, you know, saw to the day-to-day -day details so that she could do what she wanted to do. But even Mark couldn't escape his wife's wrath. Mark, get back here right now. Get here. Mark, get out and leave Sandra alone. I'm like, oh, great. And how often would Dr. Seavers yell at her husband? Was it a pretty frequent thing? <laughs> Every time. Unfortunately, that was the norm. It's almost like he had like a thick skin. He just didn't care. It's the same thing that Teresa's close sister, Annie Lisa, told investigators, that Mark put up with his wife's anger because he adored her. She could finish ripping him out like, Mark, I told you about your times. Don't let the dogs out. I'm sorry, honey, you need to let. And then she would be doing something. He'd go, sweetie, let me get that for you. Mark, worship the ground, Teresa, walk sure. down. And according to Annie, her sister was equally devoted to Mark. Teresa always said, I'll never leave Mark. Mm -hmm. I won't ever do that to my girls. Nevertheless, within days, Mark Seavers became a person of interest. Was that just because whenever someone is killed, the first person you look at is the spouse? Oh, I think that it's, it's become a cliche. It has to be the husband. Did he cooperate initially? Oh, yes. I think he thought he was doing the right thing. Mark spoke to investigators without a lawyer present and even handed over his cell phone and allowed them to download the contents. Was he worried he might be arrested? He thought, why would they? What kind of evidence could they possibly have? Because I didn't do anything. In fact, Mark Seavers had an airtight alibi. Remember, at the time of Teresa's murder, he and their two girls were with Teresa's family, 1,300 miles away. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Days after Dr. Teresa Seavers was murdered, friends and family came together for her funeral, including Mark's stepmother, Jenny Weckelman. There were a lot of people, yes. Yeah, and, and it was sad, of course. Almost all her patients were there. I was numb. 
And as we were going down to try to get to the casket, we were seeing her sisters on one side. And the look that we were getting wasn't a look of um, sadness. It was a look of hatred. Frank Pays and his wife Sandra say the look didn't just come from Dr. Seaver's sisters. They were getting the same look from the grieving widower. I hugged him. I, what do you say? I said, Mark, I am so sorry. I don't have words to say to you. And he squeezed me so tight and nothing came out of his mouth. Then Sandra hugged him. And when Mark hugged Sandra, his teeth grinned. And it wasn't nothing of sorrow or sadness. The look was hatred. I stepped back. I said, holy crap. And they weren't the only mourners who had an odd encounter with Dr. Seaver's spouse. Her ex-husband, her first husband, Kenny Cousins, was there. And he went to hug Mark and bumped into a gun that Mark had strapped to his waist. And he thought that was a jarring note on that day, that Mark came to the funeral with a gun under his jacket. Strange? Well, perhaps. But Dr. Teresa Seaver's killer hadn't yet been arrested. And according to stepsister Connie Reese, Mark was on edge. He was very much in protective mode. When you say protective mode, what do you mean? Well, I think, you know, he always keeps an eye and an ear to the ground, so to speak, and is aware of his surroundings. And, you know, he, he was concerned for their, their safety. I think it was in the back of his mind that, that there might be some danger to his daughters because of what happened to their mother. It just didn't make any sense. Who would want the vibrant and dedicated Dr. Teresa Seavers dead? And why kill her with such anger and force? Could have been anybody. I really thought maybe it was just somebody that was in the area and broke in or something. There were signs of a forced entry pry marks on a side door. But Mark's extensive gun collection and $40,000 in cash discovered inside the Seaver's home hadn't been touched. So when this happened, everyone wanted to know what happened with the alarm. And as it turns out, it, it hadn't been activated. While the family was on vacation, Mark had asked his mother, Bonnie Seavers, to feed the family pets. She had trouble setting the alarm that Sunday and told detectives her son Mark said not to worry about it. Monday morning, Dr. Seavers was discovered dead on her kitchen floor. So I really feel that it's my fault. You can't, you cannot blame yourself. Around the time of Dr. Seaver's murder, the internet was buzzing with reports about the suspicious deaths of other alternative doctors in the U.S. Did Mark think that her death might be connected with that? Yes, yes, he did. For a while, right after she was killed, the blogosphere sort of erupted with, uh, oh my goodness, there, there was a doctor here who was killed and a chiropractor here who was killed. And is this some conspiracy by Big Pharma to eliminate doctors who were challenging the pharmaceutical establishment. But with no real evidence to back up that theory, investigators turned their attention to the people who might have had an ax to grind with the energetic, often abrasive, 
Dr. Seavers. I think the theory that I heard was that maybe it was a patient. Um, obviously, they were interviewing all of her friends and family members, so it was pretty much like a wide open field of suspects at that point. I also heard her say over the years that, you know, Sandra was bad mouthing Teresa. A surprising name emerged. In her police interview, Dr. Seaver's sister, Annie Lisa, said she heard Sandra Hoskins was a disgruntled employee. That's the same Sandra who seems so upset by Dr. Seaver's death. You may not like your boss, but you don't badmouth them to patients that are coming in the doors, like Dr. Seaver's, you know, she's, yeah, a, she's a bitch. I'm like, oh my God, they think I did it. Sandra, who claimed she had been treated harshly by Dr. Seavers in the past, had planned to hand in her resignation that very Monday the doctor was found dead. According to Sandra, the doctor told her she was bringing bad energy to the office. Now I know why I was not received very well at her memorial. Why would anyone think that you did this? That is shocking to me. A lot of the patients did know the way she treated me. And so people thought, maybe you just had enough. And when a detective called her husband, Frank. He greeted me, he took me into this little room, and he left me there. I'll be right back then, all right? And I sat in the room five, 10 minutes, maybe even 15 minutes. Suddenly, he realized all eyes were on him. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me, I go, holy crap, I'm being watched. I saw a piece of dust on the floor, and I started counting in Mississippi. One Mississippi, two. I got to 120-ish, and then the detective walked in, and he asked me, point blank, did you have a sexual relationship with doctor outside the office? Never had a relationship with her outside no. of work or no. anything like that. Dr. Seavers ever come on to you? And he goes, did you have a sexual relation with doctor inside the office? I said, absolutely not. Police were suspicious because Frank had been let go from his job at Dr. Seavers' practice by her husband, Mark, nine months before she was murdered. But why did they think? that you could have killed Teresa Seavers. Don't know. I mean, were you worried about Frank? I wasn't worried about him, because I know he didn't do it. And Frank says he had an alibi. Then, in late August 2015, nearly two months after Dr. Teresa Seavers was murdered in her Florida home, a stunning break in the case. Police made arrests, and the suspects were not from Florida. So we showed up to a press conference, I believe that August, and the sheriff gets up there and tells us uh, simply the name of uh, the first suspect, Jimmy Rogers, and he says he's from Missouri and he's been booked for the murder of Teresa Seavers. Never heard of him. So I thought, oh, well, who is he? And What's he got to do with this? And then about an hour later, he calls us in again and says, we've now picked up a second suspect, also from Missouri. It, it was so shocking. To solve this murder, investigators would travel more than a thousand miles, and they were in for a wild ride. They would soon discover this case had as many twists and turns as the Missouri River. <sighs> 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Teresa Seavers was bludgeoned to death with a hammer. Neighbors are still waiting for answers. The two arrests for Teresa Seavers' murder, made 1,100 miles away in Missouri, seemed to come out of the blue. Mark's stepmother, Jenny Weckelman. Why? You know, what's going on? Just seemed like such a disconnect. No one had ever heard of the suspect, Jimmy Ray Rogers, but it was the mugshot of the other suspect, Wayne Wright, that struck everyone. He had an uncanny resemblance to the victim's husband, Mark Seavers. All I can say is that their physical similarity was the subject of plenty of newsroom talk. Local reporter Amy Bennett-Williams. We would show photos of them side by side and say, you know, is there some blood bond here of which we're not aware? They look alike. At least in pictures, they look like twins. That's when I started to believe, you know, that definitely there is not something right with, with Curtis Wainwright. As it turns out, Curtis Wainwright, he goes by Wayne, was no stranger to Mark's family. He was Mark's very good friends from ages and ages. So I didn't believe it. I didn't. It just didn't make sense. Wayne and Mark had grown up together in Missouri. Wayne was at Teresa's funeral. He had celebrated Mark and Teresa's wedding with them. And just two months before the murder, Mark had been Wayne's best man at his wedding. Wayne was also quite literally a familiar face around the office. Did you two know Wayne Wright? How did you know him? He was the computer guy that looked just like Mark. Wayne would travel from Missouri to Florida to work on the computers in Dr. Seaver's office. How would you describe Wayne? He was geeky. All he wanted to do was get the computers up and running, focused. But to me, he just seemed like a very geeky creepster. Did he make you nervous? A little bit. I can't explain it. It's just a woman's intuition. How would you describe Mark and Wayne's relationship? They appear to be close friends? Yeah. He always said he's my brother from another mother. Yeah, that was his lingo. Back in Hillsboro, Missouri, Greg Boland knew both Mark and Wayne when they both had hair. This here is Hillsboro Elementary School. This is where me and Wayne met for the very first time in third grade. 
Greg Bolin remembers his high school classmate Wayne as a tech whiz, the kid voted most dependable, and as a fun guy to hang around with. He actually ran for and became our class president. Smart? Very smart. Quite honestly, he was one of the smartest people with computers that I ever met. But it wasn't long before Greg suspected Wainwright had a dark side. In 1996, Greg's brother Ronnie Bolin, a preacher, mysteriously disappeared. His body has never been found. And according to police, Ronnie was last seen with Wayne. Do you believe Wainwright killed your brother? Yes, I do. You have no question about that? I have no doubt in my mind. Greg believes the motive was money that Wayne owed Ronnie. Reporter Jessica Lipscomb. They found his car with the car keys still in the ignition in a car wash in St. Louis. Wayne has never been charged in Ronnie's disappearance, but he is listed in a police report as a person of interest. And Wayne's no stranger to the criminal justice system. In 2011, he was serving time for drug possession when he befriended the other suspect in Dr. Seaver's murder, a young inmate named Jimmy Ray Rogers, who was doing time on a weapons charge. You could just tell he needed a job. He wanted a job, you know. Jimmy was released from jail. Sure. Tyler Juliet and Jeff Conway hired him to work at a contracting company. He liked to tell a lot of stories. A lot of things he told at the time, nobody really believed Jimmy. He liked to brag a little bit about the things he had done in the past. A colorful criminal past. He says Jimmy would brag about con jobs ranging from stolen merchandise to counterfeit money. I never felt Jimmy was a dangerous guy. I just felt like he was a blowhard, honestly. You know, I really felt like he was just a talker. Conway recalls that he had asked Jimmy to work on Monday, June 29th. But Jimmy texted him back and said he wasn't available. All it said was, I can't do that. I'm still in Florida. It was on June 29th that Dr. Teresa Seavers was discovered bludgeoned to death with a hammer inside her Florida home. And it didn't go unnoticed to investigators that Jimmy Ray Rogers had a unique nickname. Supposedly, Jimmy Rogers' nickname was The Hammer, but I think that was more of like a self-given nickname. If you talk to some of his friends from high school, they say nobody really called him that. But I think maybe going to jail for the first time, you know, trying to make a name for himself, maybe that's something he sort of assigned himself to fit in. Why was Jimmy The Hammer Rogers in Florida that fateful weekend? Was Wainwright with him? and what led authorities to believe they were involved in a doctor's murder. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Back in June 2015, Practically everyone in Hillsborough, Missouri, knew that Wayne Wright was planning a weekend trip out of town. Reporters Amy Bennett Williams and Jessica Lipscomb. He let it slip to lots of people that he was going down to Florida, told some people he was even going to visit the Seavers. And, uh... Word was out, and it wasn't long before police got a tip that Wayne had been in Florida at the time of Dr. Seavers' murder. And he hadn't gone there alone. He went with his jailhouse pal, Jimmy the Hammer Rogers. He had actually told me a couple weeks before that that he might be going to Florida. Yeah, I've been working on this today. This Jimmy's there. boss, Jeff bitty, Conway. This little bitty. Uh, he told me a story that his brother had graduated from uh, law school and that he had invited Jimmy down to Florida for the weekend, uh, all expenses paid. But he told his pregnant girlfriend, Taylor Shoemaker, another story, that he was going out of town for a few days to work with Wayne. He had told her that he was going down to make some money. Detectives from Florida arrived in Hillsborough, Missouri, weeks after Jimmy and Wayne returned from their trip. They confronted Wayne about that tip placing him in Florida. He shut them down, but a GPS exposed a lot of what they needed to know. On the morning of June 27, 2015, Wainwright got into a rental car here in Hillsborough, Missouri, and then went to pick up Jimmy Ray Rogers. At some point, this address was put into the GPS, and then the two men took off for the 1,100-mile ride to Bonita Springs, Florida. After driving all day and all night on Sunday, June 28th, Wayne and Jimmy arrived at the Seavers' home, the Bonita Springs address. It's all right there in the GPS, a digital footprint for investigators. When Jimmy and Wayne arrived around 6 a.m., authorities believe they turned off the house alarm. That may explain why Mark's mother, Bonnie, was so confused about the alarm system. I was not there at 6.09 in the morning. He was turned off at 6.09. Yeah, someone was one. in there? That's what we're trying to work Oh, my on. God. Then, according to the GPS, Jimmy and Wayne left the Seavers' home and typed in another address for a Walmart to do some shopping. Obviously, looking at that security footage from the Walmart, they're able to pretty quickly determine that that's who, who was with Wayne. They made no effort to cover their faces, disguise themselves. They just waltzed through like they were anyone else. They bought, among other things, trash bags, flushable wet wipes, black towels, black shoes, and a lock picking kit. They paid cash for their purchase with a $100 bill. After shopping at Walmart, Jimmy and Wayne continued using the navigation system to find the beach. Does it make any sense that this guy who was so good with computers would have left such a trail? It does, but it doesn't. Greg Boland, who firmly believes Wayne Wright killed his brother, knows Wayne's world is far from predictable. To a lot of people looking at it, 
it, it kind of makes it look like, you know, these guys were just dumb and dumber. After soaking in some sun at the beach, according to police affidavits, Wayne and Jimmy returned to the Seavers' home, where they hung out for hours in the garage, lying in wait for an unsuspecting Dr. Seavers to arrive. Which one do investigators believe actually did the killing? There was a story or two in which Wayne said that he started and Jimmy finished. Less than an hour later, in the early morning hours of Monday, June 29th, the GPS shows Jimmy and Wayne on the highway headed northbound for the 17-hour drive back to Missouri. The electronic trail would eventually lead detectives to Jimmy Ray Rogers' door. Just like Wayne, he denied being involved. But when they pulled in Jimmy's girlfriend, Taylor... Statement, ...which means you're going to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, correct? Yes. What a story she had to tell. Jimmy Ray Rogers took his girlfriend, Taylor, for a ride right along here, Route 47 in rural Missouri. And along this road, he asked her to throw out parts of his cell phone, which he had smashed earlier, some gloves, and a jumpsuit. He said, throw this in the river, and it took me a minute to cook in. Like, and then I threw uh, the gloves out, and gloves then I waited a minute, and then I threw out the jumpsuit. Okay. Did you ask why, or you just did it? No, I just did it. I was scared. <laughs> okay. It's Taylor told police that's when she pushed Jimmy to tell her exactly what happened in Florida. He ends up telling her that he went with Wayne, and they, they killed Mark, Mark Sieber's wife. And he told me about using a hammer on her. Okay, and he said that he killed Teresa Sievers, Mark's wife, yes. with a hammer? Yes. Detectives now knew who killed Teresa Sievers, but they were missing a crucial piece of the puzzle. Why would Wayne Wright want to kill his best friend's wife? Did everyone then say, oh my gosh, Mark had to be involved? Definitely. I mean, there was really no no putting Wayne in Florida in Bonita Springs inside their house without Mark knowing about it. Or was there? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, 
propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. When you heard that Teresa had been murdered, did it occur to either one of you that Mark might be involved? No. Not even a thought in the back of your mind? No, no, absolutely not. Mark Seaver's family can't accept what just about everyone else had long suspected. There were a lot of things that made Mark Seavers seem suspect to people. He wasn't talking with investigators anymore. He wouldn't give media interviews. There were rumors that he had lawyered up. But didn't Mark Seavers have an airtight alibi? Even with the alibi of being with his two daughters, people just couldn't find what a possible motive could be for anyone else to be interested in killing this woman. As reporters Amy Bennett-Williams and Jessica Lipscomb discovered, the Seavers' public life was very different from their private life. I heard rumors very early on that they were swingers. And when investigators downloaded Mark's cell phone, they found text messages, emails, photos, and videos revealing salacious details about the Seavers and their open marriage. It was a surprise to Frank Pays. They had a different marriage than we thought. They had a different lifestyle. What they did behind closed doors, no one knew about. They both were having relationships with other people. The Seavers may have looked wealthy with their big house and successful medical practice, but they had serious money problems. There's a significant IRS lien on the home. Mark said that they often lived paycheck to paycheck. I think that there was sometimes almost panic about money. When investigators uncovered five life insurance policies for Teresa, totaling more than $4 million, it was a red flag. So was that trip Mark made to Missouri to be Wainwright's best man. And as it turns out, the other suspect, Jimmy Ray Rogers, was also a wedding guest. Investigators wondered if that's where Mark hatched a plan with the two men. Taylor Shoemaker, Jimmy's girlfriend, claimed this was a murder for hire and that Jimmy was supposed to be paid $10,000. And then asked him how does he make money, and it was murdering Mark's wife. He said that Mark hired Wayne. Yes, and Wayne hired him. Mark didn't know anything about Jimmy being hired. Where's the money supposed to come from? Insurance from her death. Okay, and did he ever get paid? No. And yet, Mark was not arrested. After conducting dozens of interviews... What about Mark? He would come in and we, we would joke. Examining thousands of documents and arresting Wayne and Jimmy, detectives still didn't have the proof they needed to connect Mark to his wife, Teresa's murder. And then, almost eight months after Teresa Seavers was killed, Wayne Wright, facing a possible death sentence suddenly turned on his brother from another mother, and he took a deal. Mr. Wright, why are you pleading guilty today to second-degree murder? 
Self-preservation is a powerful thing. Wayne admitted killing Teresa. I'm, I'm pleading guilty uh, because of my role in the planning and participating of the murders, Teresa Seavers. And he accused Mark Seavers of being the mastermind. That's all police needed. Mark, did you hire Wayne Wright to kill your wife? Mark Seavers was charged with the murder of his wife. Did you hire anyone to kill your wife? It is clear to me that he had nothing to do with this murder. Mark's attorney, Antonio Fega. At the end of the day, when Wayne was faced with the death penalty, he said, I've got to involve somebody else, and that somebody else had to be Mark. Is there any direct evidence that connects Mark with the death of his wife? Not that we have seen yet. And yet, he's charged with first-degree murder and faces the death penalty. Based on the testimony of Wayne Wright. And Mark's family believes Wayne killed Teresa on his own, without Mark's knowledge. Why would Wayne kill Teresa? Because he's a sick man. Do you think Wayne was jealous of Mark? I think it's possible. Whether he's jealous of Mark or wanted to be Mark, I don't, I don't have any clue. They say it was Wayne who began to model himself after Mark, even shaving his head when Mark began to bald. They didn't look alike when we were younger. Missouri friend Greg Bolin. They morphed into each other over the years. If it was by chance or by their plan, I don't know. But if Wayne killed Teresa Seavers on his own, how would he have known she was coming home alone that Sunday evening? Is it possible at all that Wayne Wright in Missouri could have known what Teresa was up to, her schedule? Absolutely. Absolutely. He didn't need to talk with Mark. He could have found that out on his own. Yes. It turns out Wayne may have been eavesdropping on the Seavers for years. He set up their office computer system and would troubleshoot. According to Sandra and Frank, they say the Seavers allowed Wayne to access everything from his home in Missouri. He can creep on the computer anytime he wanted and do whatever he wanted. He saw everything that was going on in the office. Is it possible that Wayne knew more about what Teresa was doing than her own husband knew? Possible. Connie Reese can't imagine Mark could have had anything to do with the death of his wife. I love my brother. You know, I know that terrible things do happen and people do things uh, to people that they love and I try to be open-minded about that, but he's not a sociopath. He wouldn't do this to his children. Just not possible. Did Mark Seavers want his wife dead because of jealousy or money? Or was he betrayed by his best friend? That is an astonishing photo. Yeah. In their jail uniforms, it looks like a mirror image. Mark, accused of planning his wife's brutal murder. Wayne, the admitted killer. Jimmy the Hammer Rogers and Mark Seavers both have pleaded not guilty and will be tried together. A jury will have to find the truth behind Dr. Teresa Seavers' murder. Dr. Seavers lived dramatically and she died dramatically. Nobody really got what they wanted here. Her husband didn't get what he wanted. He's in, in jail, you know, facing death. 
her children lost both their parents. So it seems pointless that it happened and it's just hard to make sense of. Mark Seavers and Wayne Wright are being held in different jails. Teresa's mother is now guardian of the Seavers' children. No trial date has been set. For more of Taylor Shoemaker's police interview, join us at 48hours.com. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.